My name is Ryan Broderick, and I have a very bad haircut right now because I'm convinced my barber doesn't like uh, journalists or writers, and it gave me a bad haircut on purpose because of that. I mean, it, to be fair, I'm, I'm Luke Bailey, I'm the other co-host of this podcast, and I think that he gave you a bad haircut. It's just didn't like you. Oh, no, no. No need to be spurious about the class. <laughs> no, no. He had given me a good haircut previously. I've been to this guy twice now, and the first haircut was great. And we talked a lot, and it, it, everything was going fine. And Did then, you ask for the same thing in this time? Yeah, same everything. But this time, he started talking to me about race riots in New York and how New York was really dangerous and how he wouldn't live in New York. I heard a, that. I heard that. Yeah. He said that he wouldn't live in New York unless he had a gun to defend himself. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know about that one, you know, trying to be friendly because, like, he's cutting my hair. But then I noticed right after he just took giant big cuts out of my head, and I think I think this is a fake news haircut. That's what I'm. That's what I have right now, and I'm furious about it. You had a haircut that a guy who thinks that journalists shouldn't be credible has given you. Exactly. I think that's exactly what happened. He also told me a really crazy story though about a local woman who got arrested for biting a cop's ear off. Uh, oh, that, that's fun. It was you know it was a pretty good experience. I do enjoy like the the of the two one of us who has like a job uh and one of us doesn't and I, I feel like I would guess if I was seeing us from scratch, I would guess the other way around. It's true. Uh we're really through the looking glass here. You look like you're stockpiling weapons in the Midlands and <laughs> I look like I just got out of like a New England boarding school. Yeah. A very Christian New England boarding school school. That's that's well, I went to a Christian prep. I went to a Catholic prep school. Uh, once again, I've been watching all the British people I follow on Twitter fight about stuff, and I don't really understand what they're fighting about. Why? Why are all the British people mad about a guy with face tattoos? The British people are mad about a guy with face tattoos because this guy appeared on a Sky History Channel, which is like a minor channel. Like I don't think it's even the real History Channel that you guys have. It's like a different History Channel. Well, it's but branded. It, it's branded the same. So I think there's like a partnership where like Sky licenses the History Channel. Does yours have shit about like not? Possible. Does yours have shit about like Nazis and aliens? Yeah, but all History Channels do. Well, I, I don't know if that's true. I showed the American History Channel to a French friend of ours named Jules, and he was horrified. So I don't know if it's a universal experience. That makes sense. Okay. So there's the History Channel. Uh, They're making a show about wood chopping or woodworking because apparently it's not all about Nazis. Uh, It's about this is a nice nice show about woodworking, except they do appear to have acquired a Nazi onto the show by accident because there's this guy. His name's Darren. uh, (laughs) Darren, the white nationalist. He's from Bristol uh, (laughs) and he has tattoos all over his face, which like fine you're allowed to have tattoos all over your face uh but he has the one that everyone noticed was like hey man that's an 88 on your cheek and that is a white nationalist symbol uh, which uh which uh for those not in the know it stands for hh the eighth letter of the alphabet or hail hitler so 88 yeah. is like a pretty common one white nationalists love like really simple codes there's a he has a bunch of other numbers on his face too right yeah so i originally looked at it and i was like i think the 88 is weird but not necessarily a white nationalist thing because and i I, you know i think we can jump to it a lot and just be like this guy must be a nazi 
But uh, also, didn't he say, didn't he come out and say, like, or Sky History said, like, his dad died in 1988 or something? Well, this was, they were, and then people, like, kind of pointed out, like, there was, everyone was going through his other tattoos. And because my thing was kind of like, why would you have an 88 and not a 14? Well, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, that, seemed, that seemed weird to me. Because he got tattoos over his head, and you, like no, no one gets just one Nazi tattoo, right? And if you if you're not uh, familiar with the fourteen, it stands for the fourteen words. I'm not going to read them on this podcast, but it's a creed that neo Nazis say to each other. It fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. And so, so fourteen eighty eight, fourteen eighty eight is a hard Nazi symbol. I was like, it's weird he doesn't have a fourteen. Uh, and then I noticed that he had a thirteen on his forehead, and like you can you can find thirteens in yeah, like Nazis. Nazis fucking love numerology. Yeah, you can find you can find it, but it's it's like a weird thing that I'd never heard of. Mm. And I was like, all right, that seems like he just has another number. Like maybe this is on his wife's birthday or whatever. Uh, and then there are two other numbers come up, which are twenty three and sixteen. Uh, and twenty three and sixteen is a Nazi thing, okay. but <laughs> it's also a thing where it's like, oh yeah, this is a, a mainly among a Texas prison gang. Oh, okay. Well, that's strange that a, a woodworker from Bristol would have it on his face. It seems like a weird coincidence. Um, but then someone also found a 14 on his head. And he had a lot of numbers on his head. And at the point that was found the 14, I was like, okay, this probably is a Nazi thing then. Yeah, I mean, so I watched the video very briefly, and I'd seen you tweeting about it. And like, and then I, then I saw Sky News like put out a whole thread saying they had like vetted his background and all this shit. And all the British people were yelling about it. And I, I was looking, I was trying to get close-up photos I noticed he had homegrown written on his lip, which isn't yeah. exactly a Nazi thing because it's also like a terrible rap group from the 90s that I could totally see like a Bristol woodworker being like really into homegrown. Uh, they were like a 311 kind of band, I think. But then didn't it come out that his dad didn't die in 1988? Well, this was it. Like, I, I feel like there are a <laughs> bunch of potentially, you know, arguable things. And I, I do think there is a bit of a problem with people being like, hey, this is definitely the answer to this. Uh, this is this is the truth based on you know what a, a single thing they see, but the more it went on, the more it became like kind of clear because it then came <laughs> out. He said, "Oh, the reason he had that was that his dad died in 1988," and there was a lot of very bad maths going on because people were like, if he was 2002, if he was 27 in 2007, because like there was another detail uh, that he was he was in something else like 13 years ago. And it's like, if he was 27 in 2007, how could his dad have died in 1988? And I was like, e easily, because that would make him about 10. Wait, okay. Um, he was 27 in 2007, so he's 40? Yeah. But like, he was, there was an awful lot of people claiming that his dad must have died before he was born because he was, they were, he was, he was born, he, in this circumstance, he would have been born, born in 1980 and then his dad died in 1988. And I'm like, that's fine. That's actually how this works sometimes. No, that would be, that would be fine. I mean, it's not fine, but like that would be, that would make sense. Yeah. But then it turned out someone got in touch with his dad uh, uh, and <laughs> discovered that, yeah, his dad was not dead, but did say, hey, he kind of went off the rails a little bit, uh, which suggests that, yeah, he's probably a uh, uh, Nazi or Nazi adjacent. See, that's what I like about uh, British Twitter drama is that it starts as like extremely weird and like kind of petty. And then like the full weight of your media goes after something. And it's just superb when they do for the right reasons, <laughs> not for the bad reasons. Yeah, they do. There are some there are some bad versions of that as well. Yeah. Um, I also think it's like not totally crazy to assume that Nazis are like hiding in plain sight in 2020 because we know for a fact that they love to do that. For sure. Like, but the thing was, is I immediately went for it and I was like, all right, let's find out who this guy is. And everything I could find out about him immediately was like, uh, his dad 
or someone with a similar name was on an electoral roll in 2002, which was suspicious. Oh, um, weird. He died in 1988. Uh, it turns out he didn't, so it probably was him. Uh, and then, <laughs> but I could find nothing else about him. And it was it was honestly quite weird how little I could find about him. But he didn't have an Instagram. And like everyone with loads of tattoos on their face has an Instagram. But he didn't have an Instagram, didn't have a Twitter, didn't oh, have yeah, a Facebook. Oh, yeah, that is true. And I was like, that's weird. But also, I was like, I kind of felt like I would find a, you know, a a police blotter statement Darren Lumsden was arrested in like an, 2011 like for at a, like an EDL rally or something right exactly um, and you know I would have expected to see more rallies like I've been to a lot of these rallies I've seen photos of all, all of these rallies I reckon at this point and I was like I would have recognized a guy with like tattoos all over his face also if you're not familiar with British white nationalists they're they're not the level of muscular and fit that this guy is. They're typically more like uh, like pale goblins. <laughs> so, like he didn't have a walker or like a like a hole in his throat that he was vaping through. So he didn't look like your typical EDL member. Yeah, he didn't look like a guy who drank like a lot of lager, which is is most EDL <laughs> members. Yeah. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad that's been sorted, and uh, I look forward to seeing what uh, Sky <laughs> History does with that footage <laughs> if they accidentally shot an entire reality show with a white ass. In it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they can't get away from the Nazis. They love the Nazis. <laughs> That's actually true. They should just focus on him. It's yeah. the History Channel. <laughs> so today we are not just talking about uh, white nationalists from Bristol. <laughs> um, and we actually even said, like, we should try to go a whole episode without talking about um the downfall of society and i feel like um we didn't we we already broke that rule but i mean yeah you broke that rule because i was like this sounds good and then you sent me a whole thing about anime stuff and i was like i don't know what this is but i assume this is also the downfall of society that is true but uh this is this is something that i've been wanting to talk about on the show for a while but it's so confusing and strange that i needed like a few weeks to like actually understand what i was even looking at which are the world of VTubers. I hang out a lot on Tumblr. I see stuff and I am increasingly confused. I'm sure, by it. I'm sure you do see stuff. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 31 next week. It's getting harder and harder for me to keep up with, um, you know, what people are talking about. <laughs> Maybe that's what the guy giving you the haircut was trying to help you at, like make you look more like a child. You know, uh, I, I shaved for the first time the other day too, and that was very jarring for me. I looked, uh, I looked like a little boy. So, do you do you know what VTubers are? No, <laughs> I, could, I could bluff on that one, but I have no idea. So, VTubers are virtual YouTubers, and we talked a little bit about this idea a couple episodes ago in our episode about how the internet is a pyramid scheme. How all in, like virtual influencers, basically, but they're 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 unique enough that I wanted to do an entire thing on them separately because the world is like so weird. So. The first VTuber was named Kazuna AI. She's like, um, I don't know. She's got like brown hair. She's like an anime girl. <laughs> like that's kind of it's kind of the whole bag, I guess. Um, have you ever seen her? If you if have you ever seen her around the internet at all? Uh, no, I have not. I, I'm see. I feel like I should have seen her in like a meme or something. But this is is entirely possible. I'm just like out of the loop on this stuff now and i'm, I'm... <laughs> i mean she's you know big. what i'm i'm okay with it <laughs> she's very big she's got four million subscribers across three different youtube channels and then another million subscribers uh on the chinese streaming app belly belly um is that basically chinese twitch yeah uh, yeah more or less um you know 
it comes with a, a lot more restrictions and complications, I think, than Twitch does. But yeah, I mean, maybe I have seen like now I'm looking at like, maybe I have seen her in memes and stuff. I think you definitely have. If you spent any time like just like following shitlords on even Twitter, I think you'll see you've seen her face probably. I don't know. This is like it's one of these things. Where I'm like, yeah, it's an anime girl. I don't. I don't that's cool. I I don't I I I I can't tell the difference between anime girls. Is essentially what it is. Like I'm face blind with normal people, but I'm I'm very face blind with anime girls. Hey, that's fine. I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she was developed by a company called Active Eight, who I had never heard of until I started doing research into this because I I just kept seeing these clips of what looked like streamers but they were anime girls. And I was like, well, what is this? Like, why are people sharing this? And, and I wasn't alone. Literally. Uh, I went through like all of Reddit's like out of the loop for the last two months. And like, I think like half the posts are people just being like, what is a VTuber and why are they everywhere? So clearly this is like having a moment right now. <laughs> yeah. What is really weird. Also, I was like, okay, well, do these people have voice actors? Like, how does this work? They don't publicly disclose who the voice actresses are for these. Right. Do they do they disclose who the artists are? Well, so the the, the uh, Kazuna herself, she herself. Oh, this is so goddamn weird. She runs on a software called Miku Miku Dance. So do you know Hatsune Miku though, right? I know Hatsune. Yeah. Okay, so Hatsune Miku, for those of you listening who don't know about her, she's a Vocaloid. Vocaloids are a name for like a uh, like a virtual pop idol. Um, I once went on a date with Hatsune Miku in VR when I was in Japan. Uh, fun fact. Yeah, I, 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 I think I remember that. I think I tried to black it out of my, my mind, but no, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she, uh, Kazuna AI runs on the same software. Um. And basically, what it does is it like watches your movements and then it maps like a digital character over you. Yeah. Which, um, is weird. Uh, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> and Kazuna is run by a uh, an agency, which um. They, they all are essentially and, and it kind of makes sense i feel like we've talked about this before with the idea of like hype houses where there is something about the way streaming is working right now where like big agency like there's a there's a drift towards centralization i suppose well it's tricky because like streaming is such a an inherently like low entry like like you don't need a huge amount other than a camera and a like you need a setup but it's not hugely expensive but you can't like industrialize it because you've got to have someone there. That's that's it when it comes down to you. So so they can't just be like, hey, we're going to make a, I don't know, a YouTube channel and we'll have a dozen different people on it and therefore you're only one twelfth of it and therefore replaceable. Because if you make a Twitch channel with someone on it, they get to like 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 followers. They go, oh, I can just leave. Right. And I, I don't take the followers with me, but of the, I don't know, 4,000 of them that do genuinely like you and are not just bots or whatever they're gonna go with you which we see i mean you and i know in real life like youtubers who were part of um corporate backed youtube channels that yep. <laughs> that decided to go solo with mixed results like a lot of them just like went off and did exactly what they were doing for the big corporation but they had like more control over all of the aspects of it yeah it's one of the fascinating things about watching people leave actually a lot of different companies because i suspect a similar thing we're going to see a similar a thing in like six months with uh, bon appetit where everyone kind of leaves and you don't actually know which ones are the ones that everyone loves. Right. Well, and it's like, hard to tell. And then suddenly two people who you think, oh, these people are roughly the same level of fame. One of them immediately gets famous and successful and one of them just does not. Well, I think actually Bon Appetit is an interesting is an interesting corollary to the anime virtual YouTubers uh, phenomenon yeah. because with Bon Appetit, they were like standout stars like Claire and Brad 
uh, were my two favorites. I don't really know the names of the other ones. No, I can't remember names. No. Um, I only know, I only learned about Brad because somebody I went to high school with on Facebook said, I didn't know you started a cooking channel and linked me to his videos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I loved his stuff. I mean, and then when the Bon Appetit like fiasco went down, um, it was really messy and I was really disappointed by a lot of those people for not kind of getting out in front of it and like dealing with it. And so now the only one who seems to be really doing anything interesting is Sola, who just uh, partnered with Binging with Babish. Yeah, and I think I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out who left. Brad stayed. Did Claire leave? Well, so Brad, as I understood it, he was just like the office manager. Well, he, he was the kitchen manager. Kitchen originally. manager, like, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't someone who's was really supposed to be on it. So I, I don't know. I don't want to make excuses for anyone because I feel like once you're in that position, like right. it's your responsibility to be in that position and not just be like, well, didn't mean to do this, so it's fine. Right. Like if you're going to a convention and your face is on stuff, like yeah. you don't get to play the like, I'm just like a humble kitchen manager card anymore, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. So... But yeah, so I think yeah, I think Claire left. But I don't yeah, I don't know which ones of those are going to go on to be famous. But it won't be all of them. No, and and I think there's a pretty big dice roll of like who's going to succeed and who's not going to succeed. Well, it's not just about like oh, I'm going to put a lot of work in and then it'll work because sometimes she doesn't. No, exactly. And I feel like the monolithic uh, corporate structure of Japanese anime YouTubers have solved this problem, which is by <laughs> not disclosing who voices the characters that people are watching stream. And Kazuna's uh, rumored main voice actress uh, left the, the, the setup, the, left the operation uh, over the spring. And, like, she's not, you know, bounced back to the level of... I mean, she's doing pretty good, but it's nothing like with the Avatar. Because the Avatar is what's popular, not the voice to it. Yeah. But, but equally, like, I think there's a potential issue with that, the... the people know when the voices change like i don't know if you, i don't know, i don't know if you've heard of the simpsons uh but they have this thing with they have <laughs> this thing where that, they're, yeah. they're, they're having some issues with some of their voice actors and realizing that they have to change them and it's immediately become a thing that a load of people hate and a load of people love and it's become in itself a uh, part of the drama i think that's definitely part of it and i and I, I sort of suspect that's half of the reason why these voice actresses aren't disclosed um because it keeps it easier to like keep them all together. Yeah. But it's it's interesting to me that there's such a desire to watch streaming content like at a level that like I don't really understand because I even though I have friends who are older than me that are watching a lot of Twitch and even though like I do a Twitch show which I saw some uh, content minds listeners uh, in the chat for last week <laughs> so hi guys. I still don't watch a lot of streaming content like like streaming streaming like people just do you know doing stuff on a stream yeah so i don't really get the impulse to just watch hours and hours and hours of it but i have found like posts from people who just all they do is watch virtual anime girls on twitch or youtube all day and because the avatars don't age they don't need to go to the bathroom they don't really have to do anything other than just like move and make cute noises like you don't even know if you're watching a person doing anything it's just it's just a stream i mean this is the content length thing that's what it comes back to yes like i really struggle to watch long form video uh like i can watch a movie i can still do that <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but the idea of like watching a long youtube video or like a half hour youtube video where someone is painting their car or whatever makes me feel crazy and honestly the bon appetit stuff kind of made me feel crazy like i, I could not watch the majority of it and I, I really like food and most of it was so circuitous that i was just like i i know you could do this in nine minutes i don't know why you're taking 39 I mean, so the longest YouTube video I've ever watched was two and a half hours long. I may have mentioned it on the show, but I'm not sure. 
uh, I had a stressful couple weeks uh, in the middle of the summer, uh, and I took a day where I was just like, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit on my couch. I'm going to do absolutely nothing. Good. Smart. And I found a YouTube video of a guy explaining the plot of all the seasons of Digimon, and he had right. put it all into one video, and I was like, well, like I watched it as a kid, but I actually don't remember any of this. So I just watched a guy for two and a half hours explain to me the plot of a TV show that I watched as a kid. See, this is <laughs> what this stuff comes down to, to my mind. It comes down to, maybe this is something saying something about uh, the last four years, but content has got longer and more redundant. And as a result, like it's possible that it's because everyone is incredibly stressed about everything else that's happening in the world. Right, that could be part like, of it. I do think that's linked. Oh, I, you, you mean the entire planet going through a mass trauma event and then we're all just like doing really weird shit on the internet, like watching hours of anime girls play video games? Yeah, I feel like that's linked. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are probably linked. Also, I can't believe we've got this far into an episode about Twitch and we haven't mentioned AOC on Twitch yet. Well, we sh- well I think I think this is, this is an interesting part of this because this idea that you and I have circled around that I, I want to really, really pick at today is the, the sort of like rise of avatar content that this idea that like and and i think trump has helped a lot with this too and i was prom i was promising myself that we wouldn't circle back to this well <laughs> but there, i feel like look there's going to be a point in a few months time when we never have to mention him again that's hey or or we're legally required to mention him on all shows <laughs> uh, no but i i think there is this tenant there's this been this trend over the last four years especially to disregard the reality of what you're seeing on the internet where we used to be obsessed with the internet had to be completely authentic because TV wasn't. And then it got flipped and the flip happened slowly. And then all of a sudden at once and AOC is a really interesting figure in this because I agree with almost everything she says and does. I think she's great. Um, I think her playing among us on Twitch was a great thing. It was super cool. It was the third, I think most watched Twitch stream concurrently ever. But also, like, she's totally playing into an avatar as well. Like, everyone is sort of, there's like, the, you know what I mean? No. <laughs> um, I think what you're trying to get at is that she's kind of, like, figuring out a brand for herself. Like, you can call it a brand, you can call it an avatar, but it's like, she's playing a particular, like, character within this. Yes, yes. And I actually think it's, it's kind of the opposite, which is that for a while, basically, people figured out on youtube on everywhere else like how to do good production yeah so as a result it became like oh we can do this content now and now you can see like people can make effectively movies with basic cuts on tiktoks and like they oh, have yeah. they know the tricks they know everything about it and, and there's like an intuitive thing about that however what the streaming thing is the streaming thing can't really be faked well like you it can now no and it, that's but, that's why that's what i think is interesting but what i mean is if you're listening to something for two hours watching someone for two three four hours like that is the connection that's the point at which it's real so the aoc thing i think is is kind of the definition of like i'm gonna i don't know how long she was on it for even i was i think it was only a few hours yeah which also we're saying only a few hours like that's nuts um and and that's why i think it's really important to talk about the one of the more well-known agencies in the vtuber world which is called hollow live because they are figuring out a way as we speak to remove authenticity from streaming it's a mess So, so who are they? Tell me about. <laughs> so, uh, Hollow Live—they're not the biggest in Japan. The biggest uh, agency for these like weird simulation streamers is called uh, Niji Sanji, uh, and they 
focus on uh, like Japanese streaming sites. Do you know Nico Nico Dogu Doga? Have I ever told you about this? No. You probably. I mean, honestly, you might have all of this stuff. Whenever you start talking about anime, I just like glaze over, and I have just like well, music so playing on my head. Nico Nico Doga. If you're an old internet person, you've probably seen clips of it. It's the streaming service where the co- it's got a really interesting feature where the comment section scrolls across the video. So if you're ever watching like a live Japanese video and you just see like Japanese text going across the screen, that's Nico Nico Doga. It's got this weird feature where the comments are in the video. Okay, I feel like I have seen a reference to that and not understood where it came from. Okay, well, that's that's what that site is. I've seen the meme and not the original. Okay, my favorite video from there, when I was working in Japan, I got showed this. It's a guy who, <laughs> he, he basically accidentally burns his apartment down like on live stream because like he, he like he's doing some sort of like weird trick or the lighter or something and he like lights a bunch of trash on his floor on fire. Uh, and that was like kind of a famous moment. But so on, on websites like Billy Billy and Nico Nico Doga, VTubers are very big, but in America, Hollow Live is the bigger agency. I I really tried my best to go through the Reddit threads to understand the interpolitics of Hollow Live, but like I can't figure, I can't, like I I can't do it. I I wanted to be like, here's all the inside drama with all of the fake girls on this like YouTuber agency, but it's too complicated and weird. Right. But to your point about authenticity and streaming, one thing that they're experimenting with are WWE style storylines that play out across the various avatars live streaming. Okay. So like you're watching basically like a like a virtual anime girl and she's referencing stuff about the other girls on the agency's streams and the only way you could really tell what's going on is by watching all of their various streams. I mean that makes sense. Like you want to you want to cross promote, you want to have the network. I, it's infuriating. Yeah. But it makes sense. It makes total sense. In the same way that like AOC was very smart last night and partnered with a bunch of the bigger bread tube streamers. Yeah. Hassan was there, right? And like it, that's she got, she got killed by H Bomber Guy at one point. Exactly. She got H Bomber Guy. Like, that's huge. And like I feel like what we're seeing the VTuber community experiment with in places like Japan and China, in a lot of ways will kind of probably be how it ends up here where we're already seeing hype house drama playing out across multiple platforms. We're already seeing the macro brand being more important than the actual people inside of it where we're seeing the, uh, not the unionization, but the like, the like, um, collect, it's not collectivization. <laughs> no, it's not. Cause it, cause I, I, it's not like it's empowering. It's actually kind of the opposite where you're, you're, you're buying a, a bundled, group of creators because there's i mean maybe it speaks to the fact that there's just too many creators but at the same time the watch times for these videos is like gargantuan like it's insane how how many hours of streaming people are watching yeah it is a a huge amount of streaming i yeah i don't know the right word for it but there is there is something unnerving about the way that corporations have found a way to remove the agency of individual actors within the system and that the individual actors within the system believe that it is somehow better for them Yes, that's exactly it. It's sort of like the horror stories I've heard about, like K-pop or J-pop, where there's this belief that... Oh, it's actually really similar to K-pop. It's really similar to K-pop. I mean, so I I guess this is something that I probably should explain, which is that the the VTuber universe is modeled off of the idol universe. And and I did the worst, most... One of the worst and most upsetting stories of my entire career... Um, like to the, to the degree where I sat on the footage for like six months because it was so awful that like me and my editor, like weren't sure we wanted to do anything with it. But basically I got invited to follow 
an amateur J-pop group around Tokyo for a couple days. And it's like a bunch of moms and a bunch of like 12 and 13 year old girls. And the 13 year old girls perform in like malls and they perform in the basement of like uh, restaurants. And it's like totally fine. They're singing like really fun little songs and it's fine. But the audience, the fans are men in their 30s and 40s who are who follow them around the country. And these girls like basically compete for spots at schools that are run by corporations. And it's a fucking nightmare. Like it's an absolute nightmare. And that system is now kind of being experimented with, I think in the U S but for, but for creators. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always been the case that like it's sort of existed in pop music, like worldwide. The, yeah. the manufactured bands have existed forever. But I think the difference with that is that the, the manufactured bands are, you know, they, they may pick up a band of five people or whatever, maybe it's successful, maybe it's not, but they are not doing this thing of like, I don't know, almost shuffling them. Like, match and replace and we'll just like keep iterating and then we're like hey here's the band and the band doesn't have a a hugely distinct identity right or like typically with the even like the the boy bands there's or like you know the pop star groups in america i feel like there's always been an emphasis and in the uk too because you guys have a ton of this but i feel like there's an emphasis on personality that I don't see as much of in the K-pop universe. Like they obviously they have personalities and they're like they talk about them, but there's way more of a polish on the person itself to a degree that I find unnerving. Yeah, that was kind of the it was the thing with the Spice Girls where they gave them like very clear names. They literally named them after their personality types, and it was yeah. kind of that was the thing that they did. I'm like fine, um, but yeah, it, certainly in, in the K-pop and J-pop world, it does not seem like they they have that in the same way. But instead, you're kind of encouraged to read into it rather than. Yeah, they're not sculpted to the people in any way. No, it seems a lot more sort of like un- unspoken or kind of like insinuated. Yeah, and it also becomes a lot much more, I mean, it becomes much more labor intensive. Like the, the times when they announce like, oh, we're taking a break. And it's not the traditional band taking a break for two years or whatever. It's them saying like, we're on holiday for three weeks and we should yeah. return with a new album. And it's like, oh, that's really dark. You're on working holiday where you're also making yeah. an album. And then like, you know, there's tons of there's tons of examples in both the Japanese and Korean idol system of just like insane burnout, mental illness, self-harm. Like it's it can get really dark. And so it, it, it sort of in a really sad way makes sense to me that a bunch of Japanese companies have figured out a way to like be able to replace the physical aspects of having like digital labor like yeah it's really dark um and and the fandom is really toxic um i read i said as i said earlier i tried to like read about some drama in 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 this world and like it was too complicated for me to understand (laughs) but i got a tldr of one story which was that a vtuber girl debuted her pre-debut footage um showed her like testing out the avatar so it like leaked of like her human body moving the avatar. She has a human body. That's I mean that's a good start. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then the fans were able to find her personal accounts via that leaked footage, Ugh, and then okay. they doxed yep. and harassed her, and then she had to retire pretty much almost immediately. Sure. Yeah. That and makes it's sense. like because the different agencies and the different groups obviously have different fans and the different fan armies hate each other for like no reason other than that the companies want or want the fans to fight because it creates more interest and more money. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense, but it's just, it's very dark and you can also see exactly why they've adopted it in, in the way that they have. I don't know if you got to this point in the prep doc, but if you haven't, I want you to try to guess, um, how much money do you think that these, uh, 
these these VTubers are making. Because I, 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 my jaw dropped actually when I found this. Out. I'm really gonna hate this. Um, you are gonna hate this. What are we doing this in dollars? Yeah, in dollars. In dollars. Okay, I didn't get to spit in the dock. How many followers did you say she had? Six hundred. Yeah, we're talking. They have. Um, they they have audiences of millions. Okay, it's gonna be like ten million dollars a year or something. That's my guess. Is that is that your guess? That's okay. my guess. So, um, I haven't done the full. The full math, because YouTube math is just like such a mess, and there's a possibility it could change by the time we even publish this. Sure. But I will tell you that according to Playboard.co, which has a ranking of the most super chatted channels in the world, and a super chat is basically you pay a donation to a live streamer on YouTube and then for money, and then they, they give you privileges. Yeah. The top five most super chatted users in the world are all VTubers. That's worrying. Okay. And two of which have total earnings of over a million dollars in just super chat donations. Jesus Christ. That is okay. I watched I watched one stream where in the like the first 2 minutes a VTuber received like close to over $1000 in micro donations from users just like as the stream was starting. That's just absolutely insane. It's insane how much money is being made. And and that's what kind of worries me on the flip side when we talk about the corporatization of like digital content is that like the fans don't care. Like they're totally happy just like throwing real money at like fake cartoon girls. And it's like totally insane to me that like this is just like a thing that I assume largely millennial and Gen Z men are totally fine with doing. Yeah, it's it's the other side of the I don't want to I don't want to write the right way to describe it. I don't think there's a name for it yet, but the kind of like one person media company thing like where it's like people are now willing to be like i'm gonna give money to directly to this show or this uh uh, writer because like i am interested in specifically them which is good like it's a good way to yeah hey hey wait wait hey don't knock the idea of (laughs) individual creators said it's good it's fine receiving money from their fans okay (laughs) i just think that if you're gonna do it you should consider you know you know donating to charity (laughs) yeah okay the charity is uh keeping the keeping the content flowing no but i know what you mean where it's like it is strange well, with a VTuber, okay, I can understand you donating to a Twitch streamer you like or uh, a, a newsletter writer that you enjoy <laughs> uh, or a podcast you like. I can understand that, and I have done that. I can't understand spending, like, thousands of dollars on, like, cartoon girls run by, like, a weird, like, content agency. Well, the thing is, though, is if if, if you normalize giving money to creators directly which they, they've seemed to have done and all uh, society has done. And I think that's broadly theoretically a good thing. What you end up with is, <laughs> is giving money to the thing that most people, the most people who have the most money like, and it turns out that people are awful and what they actually want to watch is like fake people, anime girls. I say fake anime girls. I don't think you have a real anime girl, but they, that's, that's what they, they, they give money to. And it, it's true. It's, we're going to have a problem in, probably i don't know what six months maybe uh with <laughs> with with the uh, the nuts not directly funded nazis like that's going to be an issue well um like it's already I mean, a bit of an issue but but i think that you know someone will set up a platform that figures out just a way around it because i don't really think that exists yet fun fact it does bud uh cool. it's called d live and uh it is currently the home place of nicholas fuentes and baked alaska 
Cool. And cool, cool, cool. a bunch of the streamers that have been banned from places like Twitch and YouTube are all going over to DLive. And I think you are exactly right that we could see DLive kind of morphing into a, like a like a like a VTuber situation, but it's like neo Nazis instead of am- anime girls. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, th- there's there's an argument that you know it's okay because platforms are now aware enough of them that they don't want to get anywhere else with it. So it's going to become this like just very problematic bubble that's not really going to affect anyone else, but probably will end in death. Well, I mean, that's the problem with particularly like people like Baked Alaska, which is that their streams take place in real life. So even if only a thousand people are watching them, and I say only a thousand like that, is it also frightening? (laughs) But they're still doing things for clout in real life. Um, And I feel like that's also like an aspect, though, of all streaming that's really interesting, where streaming to me is way more tied to real life. So even when you have like streaming fake girls like you're still hearing stories of harassment and doxing and as we're about to go talk about pissing off china so uh uh, how do you think uh how do you think these uh virtual anime girls pissed off china do you know about this? I don't know about this. I'm, this okay. is one of these things where I'm just like, I, I'm not up on this. Um, no, that's this, this is good. This okay, is good. well, I mean, Japan and China have a long and troubled history. So I'm going to go <laughs> s- right back to the bit of history I know about China, which is basically pre-1949 China. Actually, this is true. I know 1949 to 1976 China. I did, I did a module uh, that was 1926 uh, to 1976 China. Okay. Uh, because it was, you know, rise of nationalism, Chiang Kai-shek, Mao, yeah, all, yeah. all the good bits. Um, all the good bits, yeah. All the fun bits. Yeah, so I'm going to assume that they did something referring to war atrocities, because that's usually what it is. So, I mean, that's actually a pretty safe guess, but you're wrong. Uh, what actually happened was way weirder and way crazier. Two VTubers, uh, Kiru Koko and Akai Hato, were basically casually talking on stream about their viewership metrics which like you know like places like twitch and youtube show you like where you're getting your listens from and what country and stuff yeah and the metrics included taiwan just as a country oh yeah no that do it (laughs) and uh china was not happy they got completely slated by chinese nationalists um who are really really aggressive and they i think they got banned from the chinese streaming service belly belly um and then here's a fun one though their agency, Covercorp, who own Hollow Live, like the, the, the big one we've been talking about all episode, put yep. out two different statements. One in English, which claimed that it was to protect them from harassment, and also uh, they were being punished for sharing confidential YouTube statistics. But the Wait, one in sorry, China, so they, they, they were removed from Belly, but I thought, did, did Belly Belly not remove them? They, they removed no, themselves. No, no, no. So they, they, they removed them. There was, a, there was a whole thing, but then they were also suspended from their agency. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, the agency then said, in English, we suspended them because they shared confidential YouTube analytics and because it was for their own safety as well because they were being harassed because they get harassed. Sure. But then in China, they put out a statement basically saying, like, Chinese sovereignty is really great and that the one China principle <laughs> is totally real. And I feel like that's totally nuts. <laughs> like That is nuts. That also seems kind of not how this works. Like, you can't make that happen in 2020 because... 
like people read both languages. Many people read both <laughs> languages. Like right. that's incredibly yeah. obvious. Like it wouldn't take very long for people to be able to just translate both of those. No, um, it would not. And share them. And uh, most recently, uh, one of the VTubers who got suspended, uh, Kiru Koko, her name is censored in the new video game Jensen Impact. So you can't even like use wow. her name in the servers of the game. But it's it's interesting because like I feel like these problems. I feel like these problems five years ago didn't get to the China level. Like there was still so much of a distance between the two types of internets. And now it's like, if you make something on the internet that is going to be watched or interacted with in China in any way, it will run into this problem. And the thing with like corporatized influencers is that if you do, you just get removed in the same way that like a lot of American tech companies just like, make a Chinese version. Like I could totally see a hype house making like a Chinese version of their hype house to like be watched on Douyin instead of TikTok. That's inter- That's totally true. I think, I feel like this is one of these ideas we should put a pin in and come back to, but like we should talk about the great firewall of China and like what's happened to it over the last seven or eight years. It's interesting because it's both more porous than it used to be, but then also stronger than it used to be. I mean, I think we just know more about it. That's definitely true. I went to one of the most insane uh, panels of my life uh, last summer when conferences still existed, (laughs) and I watched the head of Tencent do a course for American influencers on how to sell the rights to their vlogs and TikTok videos to Chinese media conglomerates. That's... Okay, Jesus, sure. Yeah, because like people like like Logan Paul or um, like the bigger YouTuber operations, they usually hire a guy to go and intermediate as act as an intermediate with Chinese companies and then syndicate their viral content. But there are laws in China of what you can do on the internet, so it, like it has to have Chinese subtitles. It can't have uh, certain topics addressed in it. So basically, there are already influencers that are making Chinese cuts of all of their YouTube videos and putting them on Chinese social media. Like that's already happening. That's yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you deal with. I don't know how you deal with 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 a state, basically state corporations doing this. Right. I mean, what would the Chinese cut of the content mines be like? It wouldn't be long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode would be about fifteen minutes. So. No, it would. No, it would be about six seconds, and it would just be me saying Japan, and then cuts, and then <laughs> wartime atrocities, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I just it's it's really interesting to me that I so I I want to sort of like nip in the bud the idea that like Japan is the future and that like you know they're living because I I spent a lot of time working in Japan. It's not the future. It's like the future the eighties thought the future would be it's like things don't really work and the internet there completely sucks and is like run by yahoo and it's like not a great online environment yeah but i do think a lot of the things that they come up with with regards to content and capitalism uh tend to spread and i do think what we're seeing with like vtubers and the rise of an audience that doesn't care about authenticity that can make boatloads of money with like plug and play influencers is is coming i think if not already here i think that is that is it spreads, I think it spreads in an unexpected way. Like it doesn't spread directly, but the 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 core principles behind it do spread. Yes. Mainly like dehumanizing your internet creator. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, and it, it's tragic because you know, people dehumanize internet creators and then they give money to them instead and instead of supporting, you know, good, honest services like Quibi. That's right. That's right. Well, 
pour one out for Quibi. If you're listening to this, uh, as we were recording, Quibi uh, <laughs> shut down, basically. What, what was your favorite Quibi show? What, what are you going to miss most about Quibi? <laughs> Holy shit. I never, I never even, so I heard that there was actually s- some decent stuff on Quibi, but I, <laughs> I, I mean, didn't know I didn't hear even, that. I, um, I knew one director I, uh, who sold a Quibi project for ungodly sums of money. And when he told me about the process, I kind of felt like, okay, this is going to go bad. He said that he he was trying to sell a documentary to HBO. HBO passed on it. Quibi said, we'll buy it for like three times whatever HBO wanted it for. He then just (laughs) arbitrarily cut the documentary up into 10-minute bites, sold it to Quibi, and then was like, I don't even care if anyone watches it. The amount that they paid for will basically finance my production company for the next couple of years. And like that's all he cared about. And once I heard that, I was like, okay, there's no way that this is going to be a thing. They spent over a billion dollars on original programming. And yeah, I, I'm looking at the list now and I do not recognize any of this. Like, not even heard anyone talking about them. I mean, there was that show where people got shot in the face with food out of a cannon. I remember that one. Missed that one. Uh, the only one that I remember was the one that a woman, the woman from The Marvelous Miss Maisel was in it and she was obsessed with her own golden arm. I watched that. Trailer. and that was i watched i watched the clip of that people were sharing on twitter yeah i also did yeah well r.i.p quibi maybe uh maybe you'll get bought by a chinese ai firm and then get turned into something actually profitable will smith had a show on it will smith has a show on everything because will smith is uh, obsessed with becoming the medici family of the internet it's sorry will smith's show has not yet been out so it's possible that the, oh. the collapse of quibi means we'll never get to see this Joker with Will Smith, which is a series about stand-up comedy hosted by Will Smith. Oh, it's not him as the Joker? Because I'd watch no, that. No, yeah, I'd watch that. That would be amazing. Oh, God, yeah, he'd be, be such a good Joker. Particularly yeah, he'd be great. Particularly because he's already in, the, in the, uh, the, the universe. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, all right, so do you feel like you've uh, learned something interesting today that you didn't know about? I don't know about interesting. I wouldn't describe it as interesting. <laughs> Not in a dig, but just in a way of like, oh yeah, this is a whole thing that I didn't know existed and I sort of wish that I still thought that it didn't exist. Do you because, have a do you have do you have a favorite anime girl now? Uh I kind of remember the names, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's fine. I I do think it's it's really and I don't think this is because of our age. I swear to God, I don't think this is because of our age. But I do think it is becoming more common to see stuff bubbling up on the internet without like any explanation. And main like there was a while where there were just like a bunch of sites that would explain whatever was going viral in pockets of the internet. And that doesn't really exist in the same way anymore. Where now it's just like mainstream media covering like Twitter approved trends, and that's kind of it. And so a thing like VTubers, you know, it could become like you know as as, as we talked about it. It's the, they're making millions of dollars, and yet the the only thing I could find about it in terms of writing was some weird guy who spent a week watching VTubers and said it like changed his life on a website I'd never heard of, and I'm I became extremely uncomfortable reading it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just, but yet it's this thing that like everyone's it's they're huge, I and I don't I don't know why that is. Well, I know that I know why that is, but uh, I know why that stuff's not being covered. But it is interesting that this isn't going away and seems to be in fact, just getting bigger and more like more impactful. Yeah. It's, it's, is another one of these things where there's just a thing happening that is huge and involves ungodly amounts of money. And therefore it is useful to everyone involved to not have anyone look at it too closely. Which <laughs> right, is what right. it feels like. The, the money factory is working. We have like all these insane men paying for virtual women to talk to them on a live stream. Let's yeah. not talk about it. Yeah. 
So uh, next week we'll we'll do one about uh, couples on Pornhub that do travel videos. I've been obsessed with these people for a while. <laughs> Have you seen this? I d- clearly don't spend enough time on Pornhub. <laughs> all right. Well, we could do all. Yeah, we we can we can both tube in each other while we uh, while we watch <laughs> Pornhub together on Zoom. content have you consumed this week to stay sane oh give me a second um i don't want to talk about mix it up this week this week the content i have mostly been obsessed with is uh miley cyrus covers of classic rock songs did she release the metallica one yet or no no the metallica one i guarantee she's not doing that that seems exactly like the sort of thing she'd say to someone as a joke okay but no i haven't heard any of these yet are they good they're astonishing really we should stop this right now and listen to zombie and then come back hang on hold on on. I'll, i'll do it right now wow Right? This is very this is really good. It fucking it slaps. She has such a good like baritone. Like I don't understand why she just doesn't do like extremely hard rock. Like she's got the voice for it. She has an astonishing voice. And there's this and she like 2 days ago or a week ago did um another one that was uh god I'm going to have to find these all now. Uh she did a oh she did Blondie cover. She did a cover Heart of Glass and that was also oh, that's a, sick. That was also astonishing. Uh, and yeah, she's got a history of just doing like really good covers of stuff. She did an amazing she, Tom Petty cover when he died. Uh, she, she did, and didn't she do like a really good like outdoor like was it a Dolly Parton cover? The Jolene cover, yeah. Jolene, yeah, that was pretty good too. She also did an amazing cover. Well, it's not not quite cover, but uh, uh, during those same things, she did uh, True Trans Soul Rebel with Laura Jane Grace. Yeah, that was cool. Which was really cool. Um, that is cool. Yeah, and she's just in a bunch of these and. It's stuff like this. I'm just like, I don't understand quite how your lockdown's going because uh, the first like three months of the pandemic, she had a show on YouTube where she was interviewing people and included like at one point, like a half hour interview with Elizabeth Warren while she was still in the race. Well, she also, she also didn't during that same one, it was like her and Selena Gomez and they admitted to like hooking up together when they were Disney yeah. stars or something like that. <laughs> that yeah. sounds about right. There was a lot she's of- She's extremely was, chaotic. She's extremely chaotic, but in she is, she's like chaotic good, I think. Uh, no, no. I mean, go back through and be like, okay, what is the yeah problematic problematic things that you remember her doing? Well, she she like a lot of pop stars went through the phase where she decided that she just like wanted to like be big in the hip hop world and like didn't do it well, and then decided to go back to making like country and rock music, which is like such a thing. It's Not like such a trope, quite, because she had a whole thing about it. Because she was in a documentary a few years later, and she spoke about it, and she was basically like, "What I really needed to do was to separate very hard from Hannah Montana." And no, I know, but like, a it lot was, of it was a strategic thing that she was never planning to stick with. Right, that's what I'm saying. A lot of like white girls when they're transitioning from pop star to like adult have the phase where like they get like box braids, and they, you know, she's literally in like a Michael Jordan jersey, and it's. It's cringe, I think. It's it's definitely. I mean, I like her. I like her music, but I do think like that idea of like going into hip hop for a little bit to like become an adult and sexual is, I think, rightly criticized. I don't. Uh, I'm glad that she's not doing that anymore, and I like this stuff yeah. that she is doing. But um, she also has like really, really crazy like post Malone finger tattoos now, which is kind of a good <laughs> vibe for her. Yeah, I my 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 take on her is that she's she's the millennial. Uh, yeah, millennial uh, David Bowie. Huh. Well, she jumps. Well, I'm to, trying to think of a another one. She jumps into like a bunch of different genres. Is clearly doing most of this stuff like for fun and not really 
kind of living with it, but has not pretended to be an actual fascist yet, which I think is good. Is Lady Gaga millennial? Well, yeah, but Lady Gaga's also dropped off kind of the face of the earth. I don't really Dude, know. Dude, she's she back is. now. Chromatica, baby. That's huge. Okay. <laughs> Dude, that album is, that, that album is I mean, it's huge here. It's yeah. really big here. Um, got some bangers on it. No, I, I think I, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'll, I'll buy the Miley Cyrus is, is David millennial David Bowie. All right. So uh, what have you mostly been watching and listening to this week? I binged an entire Netflix show over the weekend. Um, it's the first Russian show I've ever seen. It's on Netflix. It's called oh. To the Lake. And it was made in 2019. And it's about a mysterious flu that starts killing people. Oh, that's good. Just, uh, that's what we want. Yeah, well, what was interesting is, like, one, I've never really watched Russian television before, and I've definitely never watched, like, prestige Russian television. And the show is basically, like, it follows, like, two families who try to flee Moscow as the country collapses because of this flu that kills you, like, almost immediately if you get it. And it was definitely, like, an interesting experience because I feel like one of the side effects of the Western world's current conflict with Russia is that we don't really have a ton of, like, Russian art. Or like Russian sci-fi that's being consumed, and I know that we have the same problem with China, and we talked about this this episode. And like you were a big fan of the Three Body Problem, which is being turned into a HBO show by the fucking Jokers from the Game of Thrones. Yeah, but it's like because we're having these conflicts with those countries, like we're not experiencing how people like inside those countries see things. And so it was interesting to me, and especially, and we don't really know anything about what I don't really know anything about how life has been like in russia during the pandemic I mean, oh they, they had a vaccine like months ago did you hear this right right I'll, i know putin is in some <laughs> sort of underground bunker but it was interesting to see like a very and they touch they touch on censorship like there's like an early scene where a doctor tries to go on tv and like a like a beautiful model anchor is like but it seems like things will be totally fine and then he's like no you don't get it we're all gonna die and then they cut the they cut on him and so i i think it's interesting I would definitely suggest if you if anyone out there wants to experience the last nine months, but in a fictional way, like it's it's worth watching. Um, I've been watching a lot of pandemic stuff just because I, I feel like I'm at a place with it now where I'm ready to like process those feelings. You're ready to process it the only way you know how through pop culture. Yeah, through like hours and hours of television. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch that Russian movie about vampires? Uh, I'm desperate to remember the name of it. Um, Nightwatch. No, I've never heard of it. Oh man, Nightwatch is dope. It is. Uh, it was early early two thousands. It you need to watch it with subtitles because it had subtitles like built into it. Like, like oh, I mean, it, I would it, never, I would never watch anything other in a foreign language. Right, but it's the subtitles are like designed so they have like impact on the screen and stuff. Um, oh. but it's it's about oh god, it's it's a cool thing. I'm trying to remember the exact plot of it. I think it is. There are two types of. They're basically there's vampire there's normal people and there's vampires and the vampires are two competing forces. It's okay. like good vampires and bad vampires, I think. Uh, and then they fight so much they introduce this like uh, a police force, which is called the Night's Watch or Night Watch okay. or whatever it is. Uh, and then they are attempting to kind of. Um, it's basically this fight between these two ancient civilizations and the police force in the middle trying to keep the vampires from killing each other and therefore the rest of the world. I'm incredible. into this. It also is 2004, but for Russia, so everyone's dressed like 1993 Britain. So yeah, there's a lot yeah. Of, there's a lot of like bucket hats and tracksuits and stuff, and it's... Excellent. Yeah, it's dope. I you mean, should watch that. You mean it just looks like 2020 TikTok? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I, I will check it out. Um... So, 
a little update for listeners uh, on me. Um, next week, everything will be as normal scheduled for Content Minds and Post Post Credit Scene, our Patreon exclusive show. But if there are any delays in things going up, that's because um, <laughs> uh, I will be traveling for the first time in almost a year. <laughs> so, Luke, I told you this. Um, my dad uh, is retired and had a very uh, crazy idea. And he um, told me about it after he had made this decision, which is that he bought uh, a bunch of random property in Belize. Yeah. And he doesn't really uh i'm a little worried about he oh and he also insists on going down to belize next week so i'm gonna go with him to make sure he um wears a mask and 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 keep keep an eye on him and all that and uh, i'll be documenting it in a podcast episode (laughs) although probably not in two weeks because i think we should do an election episode but there is an election happening i have heard Yes, there is an election happening, and we've got to do a part two of last week's. But um, expect a uh, I went with my dad on a crazy journey to Belize episode coming up soon because that's what's been thrown into my lap. Um, so yeah. <laughs> also, if anyone knows anything to do in Belize in a pandemic, let me know. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't know anything about Belize, so I'm, I'm sure it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, retired parents uh, make interesting decisions. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Got anything? Got, got any last words for everybody? Uh, no, I got nothing. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> bye. See.